Today on the podcast, I want to talk to you about specific adaptations and how you can leverage thinking about your workouts in a, in a specific way that you are making specific adaptations to leverage making change. Because I, I feel like a lot of people work out or they do stretches and they want to make a change and these changes don't really happen. <laughs> okay. Like we, you, you start some stretches or you start a workout thing and, and you feel a little bit different, but then you're not really different. Um, I want to talk to you today about how to feel really different and how to use specific adaptations to make that happen. But first and foremost, welcome to the anatomy of therapy. I'm Dr. John Sobolski here with Bobby Riley. It's a sunny Sunday morning. We're gonna tell you how to make some changes in your life. Bobby, what is, when I first say specific adaptations, like what comes to your mind? Like, because I do think this is the secret. I do, I do think this is something people are missing, right? Like, why, do, why don't you think people, why don't you think more people talk about specific adaptations? Let's just start there. Like, why don't, why isn't this, why don't people know about this? I think, I think it's been changing uh, at least since I've had my finger on the pulse of this topic or this area for a while, because, you know, it seemed like it was more um, prevalent to do things like sport associated training. So when you said it for the first time, I thought about people doing like ladder drills yeah, yeah, for, yeah. For, foot, for football, whether uh -huh. it's American or. Uh, yeah. Actually, it makes more sense for for real football, to be honest. But you know, when you think about these American football players just doing all these in and out of the the ladder and hurtling over certain things and three cone drills and stuff that they do in the combine, uh, that used to be more popular to just talk about how you can get fast. Like if you have this power output on a squat, you should sprint faster. Uh, if you can do this cone drill really fast, that's going to show that you're agile in the sport of football. Right. If you can do the, like the, in the step, the stepping in and out of, uh, boxes and stuff and ladders and hurdles, that means you're more agile and et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And that used to be more of an accepted thing. And then people just slowly has started to reel that back and by me what i mean by people is experts in this area people who train athletes for example uh started to realize that there was sports specificity is extremely specific so while it might look like american football to push your feet in and out of a, a ladder or a bunch of squares on the ground or some little hurdles it's not the same as some 270 pound linebacker trying to kill you and you have to maneuver around them. It's just, it's just not the same. One is controlled. One's uncontrolled. One has thousands of variables. One has almost none. So, so, you know, we would, you know, it's like, if you get a bigger back, you'll have a better bench press. Like, I don't know how many articles I've read about that. Now that's true. Maybe if you're a 600 pound bencher and you're trying to get to 635 right. and your back is a little bit weak. But if, if you're the kid who benches 95 pounds and you're trying to get up to 200 or 150, just doing a bunch of lat pull downs is not going to be the answer. The answer is to bench more. So specificity, when I first heard you say it, I'm thinking of how we used to say, you know, if I do a pal off press in the gym, it's going to, I'm going to 
swing my golf club better. And if I do these ladder drills, I'm going to be a better football player and get, you know, get a scholarship to a program better. Um, and, and if I squat 700 pounds, Notre Dame is going to sign me to the football team because I look strong. And in reality, it can have zero, almost no carryover. I think there's this like minimum threshold. So depending upon the sport, like if you're an American football player and you're a tight end, you probably have to squat a certain number. Otherwise you're probably just not competitive, but almost everything over that is superfluous. So where, where should people be spending most of the time is probably doing the exact thing that they're trying to improve. So, you know, if you're trying to get really good at a picking song on the guitar, just playing Jack Johnson chords over and over and over again. It's the same instrument. It's very similar, but it's not the same. Mm. And that's, we can also, it's touching very closely on deliberate practice versus practice as well. That ties into specificity, but I know this is slightly probably orthogonal to your, to where you were going to go with maybe, you know, specific training adaptations, but that was my first, first thought. And maybe it's something that'll, uh, spikes spark something in you. As no, I, 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 it's funny when you were saying, I was talking to a, one of the trainers at the gym I work at, and he was talking about how, uh, a couple of years ago, I guess Gronk came in there. Uh, Rob Gronkowski came in there for uh, off season training. And, um, he was like, all right, Gronk, we're doing a bench today. And he's, he said that Gronkowski was like, what's bench. And I like, and he, he was like, certainly, uh, you know what bench is, Rob Gronkowski. But he was just like, I don't really do bench. And he was like, and he was like, okay. And so they, <laughs> he ended up making up a workout. They they did a workout, and then he said the next week came. He's like, all right, Gronk, we're doing squats. He's like, what are squats? He's just like, I don't. He's like, I'm a tight end. And like, so what I'm saying is that Rob Gronkowski knows what bench press is. He knows what squats are, but he also knows how to win football games. He and Tom Brady have, they're pretty good at that. Right. And like, I do think you, I'm not telling you not to train. Gronk is also a physical specimen to a certain level, but he has an understanding about like, what is, what it is he really needs. Like, so this is what I'm saying. There are exercises you are wasting your time on. (laughs) And I, it will save you so much soreness, some unnecessary soreness. What here's here's the better thing. Get the right kind of soreness. If you can figure out the right kind of soreness and the best way to go about that soreness, i.e., soreness being an indicator of where you have put in work. Um, and if you're looking to lose belly fat, don't look to feel soreness on your belly. Okay, we know we cannot spot reduce fat. Now, the converse, uh, if you ever talk about hypertrophy guys, you were talking about athletic guys. For some reason, when I was thinking about specific guys, I was thinking about these like big hypertrophy dudes. Specifically, I think on my TikTok or Instagram, this dude who was like covered in tattoos, looked like he weighed 315. I don't know, pure muscle um just one of these guys he was like in his lower 40s just like grew up in the gym i don't know how many cycles he's been through not somebody you he probably rides a harley and he was just talking about how his 10 reps are different than your 10 reps and he was saying i'm trying to get that mind muscle connection that if you ever (coughs) watch the schwarzenegger documentary 
Schwarzenegger talks about how that mind muscle connection is like everything, which is just be able to pump blood into a specific area through a movement, which is why some of these hypertrophy guys go through their 15 degree ranges. They don't do full ranges. They're just trying to pump blood as much blood as possible into this muscular area. And so he's like, you guys just bang out 10 reps. And he's like, my 10 reps are a completely different experience than your 10 reps because he has a very specific thing he's trying to go after. And I was just, you know, I think that principle alone, if you could decide to do that for muscles, not fat, try to do that in the gym, that would make a difference. Now, the next question becomes, what are your goals? Where do you want, where do you want to get puffy? For me, I take a step back from the hypertrophy thing and I start, because I'm a chiropractor, I start looking at joints. But that seems a little bit more ambiguous. This is where I need your help. <laughs> like, how do we, is it traditional rehab? Like, what first, do you, well, first of all, what I'm making, the trans, is, does that transition make sense? How about you? What do you think the current problem is with how people go about either fixing themselves if it's a rehab-based situation or putting on awesome big fat traps to make them look like they don't have a neck? What do you think the problem is for the, let's just say, less knowledgeable, less experienced, but, but still quite serious person is trying to accomplish these things? Like, where's the problem? Yeah, I mean, I guess the problem is they don't have a specific goal. They're just like, I want to be more in shape. No, if oh, so like, no, I want specifically, I want my traps to be big. Oh, okay. But what's still the problem there? Or I want to fix my knee, my left patellar pain. What yeah, do you I mean, see well, as the issue? If they have, so do they have stretches and exercises? They, they, so like they see. Yeah, but they're just doing whatever they Googled. They just, right? they're just doing whatever they Googled. The, well, then I guess it comes to the other thing I wanted to talk about is probably not enough volume. <laughs> They're probably not doing it enough. They probably think they, well, I'll tell you this, the, yeah, we're just not, we're just not ready to tolerate enough. And I think the idea though, is that like, even when we are sitting, we are still increasing our sitting volume. Does that make sense? It, whatever, it, the more time you're sitting at your desk, you're, you're, you're increasing your body's ability to sit at the desk. Mm-hmm. And so I think, and even though it is passive and you're just chilling and doing it, I think the converse amount, the work or the repetition or the time that it will take to, to make a change that you want to change, want to make people have a short time horizon. They're like, I want to be better yesterday. I want to be better in a week. I saw this 12 second reel by this idiot on Instagram and I, and he thinks he's a doctor and that didn't work. Of course it didn't work. Mm -hmm. They need to sit with it longer. That's That would be my response. What's your... Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, it's a lot of things. That's one... Yeah. There's there's specificity from many different angles, right? There's, there's things like um, strength or endurance or s speed or uh, tissue tolerance. Um, so... Um, so for example, 
like a lot of people will say they, they, they hurt a muscle, like a groin muscle, they're playing soccer. Uh, and it was like a quick reach kind of move. They were trying to like block a ball from going in the net. They stuck their foot re- out real fast and felt a pull. And then, you know, they might do things like the Copenhagen plank, which every almost every soccer player knows at least. Uh, you put your foot up on a bench and you're doing a side plank, uh, your elbows on the floor, your top leg is on a bench. So your groin is holding you in that position. But this, so that's specific kind of, it's, it's targeting the same tissue. Like it's better than doing shrugs. I see what you're saying. So yeah. the shrug is not specific to the injured tissue. Yeah. So at least they have the tissue right. But then there's also the specificity of the tolerance of the tissue. Is it tolerant to static load? Is it tolerant to stretch? Is it tolerant to rebound, like change of direction, like an Achilles tendon where it snaps down and pulls back like, like a, like landing from a jump and jumping up again. So there's, there's specificity in the demand of the tissue. So again, when people can do a Copenhagen plank to me, I'm still very scared to say, Oh, go play, go full speed, do everything you did. Because for one, the Copenhagen plank is typically done in neutral or like anatomical position. Your leg is in line with your shoulder. And maybe that's not where they pulled it at all. Maybe they pulled it at end range where their, where their leg is way out to the side. And maybe it's not a static issue thing. So like they can, they can hold the Copenhagen plank for days, but if you ask them to put a ball between their ankles and just pulse it really hard, as fast as they can, they just, it just wants to pull instantly. So is it, is it a speed thing? Is it an endurance thing? Like, for example, a lot of people train their low back with like deadlifts. Like uh, I did five sets of three, 300 pound deadlifts. My back still hurts when I bend over to pick up my kid. Well, the research says the problem with chronic low back pain is type one slow twitch muscle fiber problems. That means it's an endurance issue. It's it's the, it's this type one fibers of things like the multifidus that fail they, they get tired and then they, they start to become slow to respond or they, they respond aberrantly, let's say, and we still have issues. doesn't matter if you can pick up the deadlift, which it takes like your whole body, by the way. Right. <laughs> and it's, and it, you can compensate it a million different ways to pick up a weight. So it's just not specific. It's, it's hardly specific to the tissue of the low back. And then it's not even specific to the tissue type of the low back. So, and even to what the demand of the low back might be, which is, let's say the problem is the person bending. I know this is a lot here, but let's say the person is is bending. I'm going to come back and ask you some questions. This is a good one. I like this example. So let's say the problem is bending, like bending over to touch your toes. That's a problem of the body being able to control and open the spine or allow it to the joints joint by joint to move. So how is deadlifting in a, the whole goal of deadlift is to lock yourself as tight as you can and pick up something heavy and don't, don't move. Like that is the goal, especially with your low back. So Shoulders, does it, yeah, does it yeah, make yeah. the, does it make the big muscles of the low back stronger? Sure. But they may ha- have nothing to do with the small guys that stabilize the minute, the, the millimeters of motion between each low back bone, if that right. makes sense. So there's so much specificity here and that's where, you sometimes need help 
But sometimes you don't, if you just sit and think a little bit about what the problem is, what are the demands? What is the specific things that I require to do this? Right. Like if you're saying, I'm going to run a marathon, but you never run more than three miles. Just, just don't be surprised that a marathon seems really hard uh, and it seems out of reach for you. Yeah. So you, if you just sit down, almost like you're da- journaling, trying to figure out a problem for yourself about what you need, what are the demands of what, what your goals are, as John talked about goals, and then break down the specific specifics of that. And later, like I said, later when you're a world-class athlete or something, well, then you can talk about how a certain strength benefit increases your tennis racket speed by three miles per hour or something. That's that's great, but that's 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 irrelevant. It's like taking CLA for weight loss when you're just going to Taco Bell all day, you know. I let's go back to this example of deadlifting, fixing your back, and then bending over, still hurting you. Okay, because if you side by side superimpose two people, one of them is about to do a deadlift, and one of them is going to reach down to pick up their child. That's in the same position as the weight. It looks really, it looks very similar. If, if, if an average Joe is just walking by, they're both bending over. Okay. However, they're both using very different strategies to bend over. Now you can use the deadlift strategy to bend over and pick up your son or the groceries. It's wildly inefficient for that. You got to go find your weight belt. You got to find your weight belt, you got to ground your feet, you got to take a breath, you got to press out into the weight belt. The weight belt has to have a little room so you can press out into it. You have to pin your shoulders back, you have to get your grip, you have to crush the grip, lock your elbows. Ammonia salts. Ammonia salts, (laughs) the whole nine, okay? but So like, I get the idea that if if you can do that, you should be able to do this. You should. I understand that. And sometimes that carryover happens. Like sometimes it does. And so there's a lot of people out there who are like, just get strong. And it's a trend right now to say, just get strong. And generally, if you get stronger, good things happen on a wider scale in terms of your hormones, in terms of the joints. There is that. It's a general niceness where if we're on the internet, we got to give you a quick bit of advice you're probably just going to feel better if you're stronger. You will. Now, if you're asking about a specific question, like I have low back pain in the middle, sometimes a little bit more to the right, it can shoot down into the glutes maybe. And it's when I bend forward and, and if you're being honest, it's bend forward into the left or bend forward into the right, or you reach your right a little bit more, like it's a more specific thing. But then I also find out, I mean, this is just a good history with a doctor that is not actually bending over. It's actually when you, you start to come back up, right? And you, you'll see this in patients. Sometimes it, it's as they're bending over through a range and then they, could, they have pain and then they move through it and there's no pain. And they come back up like, it, pain is a more specific thing. And so you have to, in my mind as a doctor, the, the more deeply I can understand what is going on there. So in my mind, let's say this bending over. These low back muscles are trying to lengthen eccentrically, okay? If we just go back to the basics of what muscles can do, if you're doing a deadlift, there's no eccentric lengthening of your low back muscles. Those mothers better be 
quiet and just not moving at all. Really, that would be ideal. Um, so if in the rehab study, we want a specific, we want to teach them to the low back to be strong specifically as it is eccentrically lengthening or a specific range we can train then, right? And so if you can define your problem a little better, sometimes it takes a professional asking you some questions, which it is helpful, but the more specific you have that problem, the more specific of a solution you can kind of match that problem. That's what, yeah. But, but then, so then it just comes down to you, like Bobby was saying, journaling out what a problem might be. You really dialing in, is it more in the morning at night? Is it more when I reach to the left versus the right? Is it when I cross my legs over my left leg over my right? It could be any of those things. I remember I had a patient one time who we got most of her pain to go away, but a little bit of it came back. And I was like, look, there's some habits you have in your life that you're mostly unaware of. You know, like when I drive, I don't think about driving. I just, I drive and I just have those habits ingrained. And I was like, pay attention to some of the ways that you sit, places you go, your resting positions at night. And I mean, this is further into a treatment plan. So we had done, we had accomplished quite a few things. So this isn't like a magic cure or anything, but she was like, I literally always just sit with my right leg crossed over my left. And I just somehow became aware of it. And I switched and I crossed my left leg over my right. And I haven't had my pain ever since I did that. Like sometimes it's that specific. And as I said, we've cleared out a bunch of other stuff before and basic rehab stuff, but like sometimes it's that specific. Now don't think that everybody's going to get better if they just switch crossing their legs over the other way. That's not at all what I'm saying. Um, but if you can think of the specific changes you want to make or need to make. Now, let's go to that. Okay. Or so, real quick, or the specific yeah. things, because you mentioned this before, you mentioned this before about sitting, like how you will adapt to the sitting position the more you sit. Yeah. It's like, or if you want to be more specific, if you want to understand specifically what you have been adapted to, mm -hmm. you can reflect on what you do or what you have done. Like I've mentioned this maybe a long time ago. That's a good one. Like a study of uh, discus throwers. And they typically have like an antalgia or like a, a small bend of their spine to the side that holds the discus. Because with the form of throwing a discus, you bend towards that hand that has the implement and you throw it. So you're constantly under high velocity and power bending side bending all the time. And so for career throwers, they have a small, almost like a scoliosis to that side. And that is a byproduct of the specific demands of that sport. And the thesis or the synopsis of what they were saying is they probably wouldn't even be elite throwers if they didn't have that specific adaptation. We right. know the same thing about baseball pitchers and the actual torsion of the, of the humerus of the upper arm bone is actually twisted. Like as if you took a, like a piece of pizza, like a, a roll cane. of pizza dough, it can't, or yeah, Tootsie roll. And you just started yeah. to twist it yeah. and it has that torque through the Tootsie roll. It it's the same thing that occurs in these lifelong pictures. And that's why they can do those positions. Like when they do slow-mo on television. So these specific adaptations explain a lot of maybe why that person's low back hurts because they only sit in that one position because you will definitely specifically adapt 
to the things you do all the time. So if she crosses her right leg over her left knee and always side bends and leans on her left elbow, for example, she's going to have a tighter left low back and a longer right low back. She's going to have a turned out right hip and maybe an internal rotated left hip. And, and we could just keep going of all the right, adaptations right. that, and if that's all she does all the time, or you're a truck driver or, uh, you know, I, I see soccer players a lot. So they've been turning their foot out to pass a ball. I don't know, 200 million times since they were five years old and they're really bad at internal rotation. So these, these will explain why, why you're in sometimes the situation you are, are in. I think that's a great way to start thinking about specific adaptation. Like I am already in my mind trying to think about how to use specific adaptations to make a change moving forward. But the idea that we are specifically adapting and the place that we are now is because of previous adaptations that we have had physically the, the, the callus on your hands. If you've played guitar on the fingertips, right? Like that's fascinating. I think, yeah. And, and that actually might be you're right. I think that is the right place to start. Like, because if patients came in and said, Hey, so I've adapted to a sedentary lifestyle such that after I sit for three hours, when I stand up from that seated position, it takes me a little longer to like totally straighten up because my body has adapted to the sitting um, and I can breathe really well in the seated position. But if I start to walk very long, I can't, I haven't adapted yet to walking and breathing over a mile at a higher pace. They don't talk like that, but like if you're a trainer or a clinician, you should start to hear things in that way. Does that make sense? And there will be a part like this, especially if you get to pain, that the specific adaptation means that it's run its course. That your body is like, we can't adapt any longer to this. And, and like K-Star, Kelly Star always says pain, at least initially, is always just a signal and asking you to change something. Hmm. That we know that there can be structural damage below the tissue and that there is no uh, signal from that specific like damaged tissue. And I still think people believe in the damaged soft tissue or the broken ligament causing you pain model. That's probably going to be here for a while. Probably people still probably believe that that's fine. Actually, but, you know, I, I think, um, I don't know where I was going. I think uh, it, there's no such thing. Like, remember we've talked about this before. There's not really such a thing as a bad position or bad posture. Yeah. So like, let's just say the person who sits slumped over in a chair to play Fortnite, you know, one of those gaming chairs that's like yeah. curved on the floor right. and they just sit there all the time and play Fortnite 15 hours a day. And then they curl into the, like the same sideline fetal position and sleep. And then they go right back to Fortnite. Right. If that's all they did, actually, that's probably what they should do. It sounds weird. Okay. Not health wise. I'm not talking about their heart and stuff like that. They, they obviously yeah. should be stronger and exercise, but their posture they're they're adapting to do the thing that they want to do like play 15 hours of Fortnite. for me i can't sit and play 15 hours of Fortnite. i'd be destroyed right. in like 45 minutes True. so it's it's hard to sit here through this podcast sometimes for an hour because I, I, I really just don't sit very much um but the problem with that is that the variables just get chopped off uh relentlessly so your ability to withstand variables so that person can sit in that chair and play Fortnite. 
Okay. But to take, you know, this is you ever seen those, you know, like YouTube clips of somebody who's obviously not played a sport in like 50 years and they're trying to guard their grandson in basketball and like he does like one crossover and they take one sidestep and fall over. Right, right, <laughs> it's right. like that guy who sits on that chair and plays Fortnite is very much adapted to do that thing but if you you know if you ask him to hit a golf ball for example it it's it's most likely going to look horrific because there's no adaptation to rotation there's no demands on the hip there's no coordination issues there's not even like standing on your feet uh issues uh even looking long distances vision will be adapted to myopic position so having a screen near the eyes you don't even go outside and see things far away all these things will be adapted and that's fine if that's the only thing you want to do because you're you're honestly doing what you should probably be doing if that was what you're trying to adapt to but but you will have a, a completely inability inability to have any adaptation to variables as they come to you you know you, you step on you didn't realize you're stepping on the the motorized floor at the airport, whatever those things are called, yeah, the yeah, walk the path, trolley or the, yeah, the the walkways, you know, uh, uh-huh. and you just flip over backwards because you can't even feel perturbation until it's too late. So right. I mean, all these things go away if if you don't use them. You know, use it, you lose it, kind of idea. I think this is very very true. So the idea is if. Well, if you do want to feel a little bit like an athlete and maybe run, I don't know if I want to run, but I want to have the capability to run. I also want to be strong. I also want to go play golf sometimes or play with my kids or go swim. Uh, You know, that guy's probably not going to be able to swim for more than one day because then he'll get tendonitis of his shoulder because he never puts his hand over his head. So it's gone. So I just wanted to say like, (laughs) there's not inherently a problem with adapting to that position because he's actually much better at doing the thing than I am, for example, to sit for long hours. But if you have other goals <laughs> to, to, and usually people can't play Fortnite for 15 hours a day and, and only do Fortnite. Usually they have to do something. They have to go to the bank. They have to walk through the mall. They have to do some things. And that's where they're like that guy who plays Fortnite all day. He's like, yeah, I had to go, you know, I had to go on a flight because I had a funeral to go to. And now I have plantar fasciitis because I had to walk through the airport It's because he never walks. So as soon as any variable is introduced, the tissue, it does not know how to deal with that. There's never been any adaptation to that. So that's where you get kind of far out people like Ido Portal, who's kind of saying like, train everything so that you can you know that's not his accent what at was all, that accent <laughs> it's not it's a, it's, I, can't do an Is- I can't do an israeli accent sorry i can't do an israeli <laughs> i don't even really know what an, he but he trains ugly he trains ugly so he trains these all bad, day all day constantly trains well i'll say so okay so one end of the spectrum in things that you can train okay let's switch directions okay you were going to make specific adaptations you know that you're you are making specific adaptations and when you train you're training specific adaptations what specific adaptations should you train like what are good things to train okay so like if you're a power lifter though it's very clear what specifically you should adapt to benching squatting and deadlifting and then do things that will help you be better at benching 
things that are better at squatting and things that are better at deadlifting. And there are tricks to do those. You can pull a deadlift off pins. You can overload squats, like whatever. There are Mark Bell's slingshot when you bench. There are a lot of ways that you can bench to get better at bench. That's very clear. Now, when you bench, and I think I stole this from a Spina podcast, like, but like when you bench, it, uh, I'm not saying it ruins your shoulders, but when you bench, you get better at benching and you do not get better at orthopedic measures of your shoulder. And if we're measuring like the health of a shoulder, by that I mean like the health of a shoulder joint, can a shoulder joint do all the things that a shoulder joint should do? So let's say your shoulder can bench press. 500 pounds, but if you're, you cannot reach and scratch the back of your head or reach across your body to put on deodorant, um, then your shoulder is not great. Like, yeah, you have a huge bench, but you can't do basic daily things. And so some of those basic daily things are orthopedic baselines, like interrotation, horizontal adduction, shoulder flexion, shoulder extension, all that sort of thing. Right. Um, and then we've gone over some of this before, actually. Like, what are the bit we went over? I think we went over it with muscle groups. You know, the on Mark Bell, I was like, oh, the hamstrings are weak, the anterior tibs are weak, it make leaves the hip flexor. We we're describing upper and lower cross syndrome. You can look that up, Yonda's work, where there's there are just these patterns, common patterns of muscles that will get tight and other muscles that will get weak. And it's a nice cheat sheet if you're a clinician or a trainer to be like, hey, I recognize this pattern. Now Yonda's upper cross and lower cross are basic patterns. If you want some more complicated patterns, you can look at postural restoration. They PRI, they list out a lot of these different patterns. Some people think that PRI is just one pattern. Um, there is a dominant pattern that they say a lot of people get. And if you look around, they're kind of right. <laughs> like, But there are a lot of these patterns. If you go to some of their more advanced classes, bodies can just fall into a number of patterns, right? And one of the consistent things, let's say uh, the top consistent things in these patterns are that people lack hip extension. People lack internal rotation of their hip. People lack internal rotation of their shoulder. People lack the ability to exhale their ribs all the way down. People often lack the ability to inhale through their back. In other words, the ribs in their back don't fill up when they breathe in. There are some of the, there are some other ones that these people have, and these usually divide people into camps. Uh, what they think the biggest problem is. So if you're to work on making a specific adaptation, A, you wanna make it close to your lifestyle what would it, if you want to hike big bear, you know, twice a year, then work on hiking, right? Um, if you have a shoulder problem, make sure your shoulder is doing all the things a shoulder should do. Now you can find out what all those things are in our Patreon, uh, finishing up a six week boot camp now. But that's how all, all of our programs are kind of geared towards like, we are trying to solve the most likely, most common problem that happens with the hip that hits the widest. It's most likely that you don't have hip, good hip extension. It just is. You probably, most, my hip extension is on the fritz on a day-to-day -day basis. 
So like I, I recorded a, a hip flexor stretch for a, a reel the other week. And I was like, I haven't done this hip extension. And I like I, my hip extension wasn't great. Like it's something I have to, you have to kind of keep working on. Um, now I'm ranting way too long, but like, what? Well, on a performance, you, you know, on a, on a performance side too, or like a goal for, uh, an activity based goal. Let's say you want to, like, I just wanted, I thought of this example because I was trying to think of a way for you to self-analyze your limitations where you should spend your time making specific adaptations is just being a little awareness of what, what hits you. So like, I'm not much of a runner, like through history, I haven't been a runner, uh, except for a sh- certain periods of my life, but I'm trying to run a little bit just to, just to be athletically fit, not any goals. But I noticed that when I go for a run, uh, I, it, I, it's never a cardiovascular restriction for me. So I'm not like huffing and puffing and have to stop and bend over and breathe. I mean, of course, I'm not going that fast. I'm not a major runner. I'm not doing these speed runs and intervals, but I'm, I go for a three mile run, let's say. At no point am I just my heart rate 190 and I got to stop. It's anything that feels awkward is usually like a, a tissue load tolerance. It's usually my feet. It's the thing that if I have a problem that I'm aware of, it's like my feet. Like they're just not adapted to a lot of running. Uh, where I've, I've I've done CrossFit, I've done uh, hiking, I've done you know, a short rest period, weight training, my cardio system is decent. I've done MMA for a long time when, when I was younger, I have a decent cardiovascular system as long as I'm fairly active. So I don't notice that I strength train. So it's not like my quads and hips were burning when I was running. Uh, I feel it a little bit, but it's not my limit. My limit is like, I'm always like when I cross my fingers to go for a run, that's longer than normal. Let's say I only run two or three miles and I'm going to try four today. I'm just like, I hope my feet hold up. So I, I already have, uh, something that I, sh- that I know I need to fix, which is to work on, you know, I remember when we had Nick Askey on, he talked about the problem with ultra marathons is not cardio. It's time on feet. It's just that their feet, <laughs> and he also means knees and stuff like that, but he really does mean the, the, the feet, can they hold up to a hundred miles? Because you, you're going to walk some, your, your heart rate will go back down. You have rest periods. It's, can your feet tolerate it without getting a stress fracture, without getting blisters, without getting, you know, all sorts of, uh, maladies that can come from hundred miles. So like my, my thing was to, I need to a build up more time. Uh, I need to maybe work on strengthening my feet, doing things like calf raises and, and especially things like the soleus, which is super responsible for running like six to eight times your body weight when you run. So as we, when we had, um, gate happens on the podcast, she clarified that the soleus is super important. So maybe my soleus is tight or not very, uh, versatile. It's not very robust. Maybe it's not that strong or endurant. So I get more stress going through my feet because the, that muscle and other muscles are just not supporting it as well. So that's where I should have my focus. And I do, I think the caveat here too, is to, to let these things take time. Um, it takes time to adapt, you know, people sit hunched over and play video games or watch TV for years and years and years before you really see their hunched, like, you know, a dowager's hump neck, position truly freeze in that position right. they did that for a really long time or for people who can just somehow 
like squat 700 pounds, even though I only squat like once a month now. It's like, well, they squatted super heavy for decades. So it's just like they can just do it now. It's that's there's truth to old man strength yeah. or old man runners or whatever it is. So they've, I, I, you know, they've earned the right to do these things. So if you're just never run and you're trying to get fit and you want to lose a bunch of weight, I always have so much empathy for like the heavy person who's just like, but every step hurts. Like my shin starts to hurt and my knees hurt and the bottom of my feet are killing me. And the next morning it's like stepping on glass when I get out of bed because my plantar hurts so bad. You have to sometimes go really slow. And sometimes where you, you do a bunch of volume in areas you can tolerate, like even like you mentioned powerlifting, Louis Simmons was big on just taking these bands and doing two, three, four, 500 reps of just like band tricep pushdowns, just so that these guys would develop these elbow uh, toughness that could withstand all the heavy benching that they do. So, cause you can't do enough benching sometimes to, to safeguard the, the, the whole body from benching. You have to break it down sometimes into, into its components of what it takes to bench press. Uh, yeah. Breaking down components is kind of the big deal that we're trying to get to. Like if you can uh, Google zoom in and Google zoom out well enough, you can help people on a higher level. Like we talked about the specifics of like internal rotation of the arm and maybe a, you know, even a posterior posterior capsule of a hip posterior inferior capsule. If you're really specific of a, of a right hip is great to get. But then we also talk about, you know, Bobby's story about the runner. Like if you like to run and the guy's like, Hey, if you keep running on this knee, you'll have knee surgery. Fine. If you love running, keep running. And a couple of years, get knee surgery and then run again. And then in 10 years, get another knee surgery. Who cares <laughs> if running makes your heart sing, you know, let your heart sing brother. Like it is what it is. Um, but, but yeah, so like zooming in, zooming, zooming out. I love the that idea uh, of the um, breaking things down to their component parts to help the bigger parts. Um, I think that's a great idea. If you can figure out, and I mean, that for, for clinicians or trainers, if you're trying to work with somebody in pain, you need to take their painful movements and make it as specific as possible. But also then once you have, I, and this is why like people go, I was explaining this to a patient this week. Like I do manual therapy, like massage, deep tissue massage, right? And there are a lot of people that will say that stuff doesn't work. The research behind it shows it, blah, 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 whatever. However, I realize where my manual therapy fits into the larger context. And I never let it sit on its own. Rarely, 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 depending on the person, right? And so- Contextually speaking, um, I with me with manual therapy or rehab, sometimes when you have specifically adapted to something, you are not aware when you sit for so long what it is your lumbar discs are doing. Like I can't be like, hey, Bobby, uh, you've been playing Fortnite all day. How's L3, L4, L the S1 uh feeling? You'll be like, I, I don't really feel that area until you feel it. Until you stand up and you try to help your dad with the gravel, the sod, you're in you lifting. Like, okay, now my back hurts. 
So I am also trying to get people to feel and to become aware. Some of these rehab exercises that you see on our Instagram, you are, we're trying to build awareness in specific areas of the body, like the glute med, like the, like the glute max, like the hamstrings. So step one is almost to like, hey, become aware of this area. Because if I say we need you to get stronger hamstrings, some people don't even feel their hamstrings when they do a thing, right? This goes even back to the mind-muscle connection that we're talking about. So as uh, coaches, as trainers or, or doctors, uh, we had an episode where we talked about being a Sherpa. Like some of these exercises are just Sherpa ways to help people get to a place on their own. And then once they kind of get it in these lower level rehab activities, that's when we start to expand it to these higher level rehab activities. So we take the smaller thing and incorporate it into the larger thing. Again, this is how our programs are set up for our back pain things, which is why they can be general. So yes, you have specific low back pain, but these programs, anterior pelvic tilt program, the knee program that we have, the series one program are trying to get these bigger, smaller pieces, and then starts to, as the program develops, incorporate into larger and larger things until you're back out in life and you're living and you're fine. That's the idea with some of these things. And that's the, that's the concept that you can put into your training programs. If you know enough stretches and exercises, you can start to structure that yourself. That's all I got, dude. I want to tell them about our squat thing because I'm just going to say it now so that we have to do it. Okay. So now okay. we're going to, I'm telling you this now, but Bobby and I are going to hurt ourselves for your benefit. Okay. Not, we're not going to hurt ourselves. We're going to do a squat challenge. And also if you want to do a squat challenge with us, you can do it with us. We've not yet figured out the rules for the squat challenge, but the upper baseline rules are we're going to squat for 30 days. Now, we haven't figured out if we're going to do a three-day split or a five-day split. We're trying to figure out some more rules of it. Um, it's not going to be easy, <laughs> um, but it's going to be good. It's going to be fun. We're going to squat for 30 days. We're going to come up with some specific rules. I don't know if it's going to be like 100 pounds on the back or we'll try to accumulate a certain amount of weight, uh, you know, poundage moved over the course of 30 days, and we'll see who can get the furthest. Bobby's going to win. But then also we're going to talk about like what muscles get tight and how to stretch those out. And, and hopefully the stretches that we're going to give you will make more sense in light of the squat. And maybe you can relate, but yeah, if you guys, it's the middle of July. Yeah. Now we've got a couple of weeks. Think about doing the 30 day squat challenge with us in, for the month of August dog days of summer. We're just going to get those puppies barking. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anything you have to finish off? No, I, I think that's good. Uh, we will hopefully try to break down any issues we have, specifically ad adapting to squatting all the time. And I may not be winning this because I can't remember the last time I've squatted. Uh, I've just moved countries and uh, and a, a one-year-old, uh, and I have not squatted in a long time. So this will be a bit of an adaptation for myself. So um, there's going to probably be things that come up, whether it's tight calves or tight ankles or a sore knee or a tight hip or a low back that's stiff in the morning. So hopefully we can kind of bring to the front of some of these kind of natural things that occur when you try to start adapting to something new and then be able to 
so to speak, adapt to that situation. And then there's times when you have to truly pull back. And uh, I don't think that'll hopefully happen and we can just work through it. But maybe we can teach them stuff along the way. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we'll see you next week. Ciao, mama. See you guys.